Coming up this week, we wrap a bucket load of news action from around the world. Shade thrown at T20 World Cup first round opponents on Sri Lanka's website. Warm-up matches, Cricket World Cup League 2, under-19 African qualifying and more. But first, a shout-out to our Patreon supporters. If you're passionate about cricket in the associate world and beyond, you can help us grow from as little as $2 a month by becoming an Emerging Cricket Patron. To sign up, log on to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Emerging Cricket. But for now, enjoy this week's show. A very warm welcome in again to the Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM in Perth. Tim Cutler and Nick Skinner join me, Daniel Beswick, once again to deliver all the news in the Emerging Cricket world. How, how are we, fellas? Uh, looking at you, Tim, you're looking uh, looking happy. How's everything going over there? <laughs> oh, I don't know where to go. Um, I don't know. Life carries on. Too much rain around here. Not very conducive for finishing off the cricket season. But looking a few thousand kilometres to the west and what's going on in Australia, there's not much to complain about, really. Quite busy, board meeting um, just this last week to prepare for and, and get through. But uh, yeah, as we look to the end of the year and planning planning for next, how about you, good Sir Knight? I see you wearing a Serbian cricket shirt. Tell me about that. Yeah, huge shout out to the boys at, at Cricket Serbia and, and Icon Sports. They had a limited edition sale uh, for those kits not too long ago. Was very lucky to get myself uh, one of those. And we will talk about it in a couple of moments, but the Netherlands and Scotland have released their kits for the T20 World Cup on the Grey Nichols website, and they look excellent. Uh, my paycheck will probably be going straight to those uh definite collector's item we'll talk about the kits uh do, do we have to remind people that the patron money that they give to us does not go to you buying kits okay it goes to running emerging cricket <laughs> yes yes no that the, the money that i earn from my jobs goes towards those, those kits the patreon <laughs> money is as well and truly in the kitty and going back into the emerging game let's make that perfectly clear yeah how's things nick what's been going on in your week I've got the Grey Nichols tab open right now, actually, as we speak. So, oh, uh, yes. similar similar thoughts there. Yeah, that training shirt, it's pretty wow, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, we're coming out of lockdown soon, so uh, yes. maybe you'll be able to leave the house. That'll make a nice change of, uh, of change of pace. Nick, I think you were bemoaning it the other day. We're just about to go into lockdown, but we've just got a whole World Cup to come. Well, yeah. <laughs> which we will all be watching at home. So You're going to have to get up and go to work. So if, the, if lockdown had lasted a couple of weeks longer, it would, yeah. it would have been ideal. Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one. If this World Cup was on in June, July, I would have been even higher on this tournament than I already am. But anyway, let's jump straight into it because there are a lot of things going on. We're inside 10 days now from the tournament beginning when you do hear this. And it's fever pitch at the moment. We're just rolling out all of our World Cup content on the site. We've got preview pods up as well. So much coming at you from predictions, team previews. There's a lot going on. I've tried to keep up. And even with the drafts being sent to me in WordPress by everyone contributing, it's been pretty hard to keep up. But I do want to start with a a story that amused me while simultaneously infuriating me at the same time. And looking at you two boys on the Zoom call here, (laughs) you know exactly where I'm going with this. I call upon the ICC. Oh, no, sorry. It's a different one, isn't it? (laughs) We might get a little bit preacher here, but we need to give the context as to the whole situation here. So 
On the Sri Lankan cricket website a number of days ago, now let's remember the official website of Sri Lanka cricket posted this story by an author with a byline. So it's been ticked off by Sri Lanka cricket somewhere along the way, has since been taken down. An author by the name of Sriant Obeyasekara, well, he had a couple of things to say, quite a few things to say actually about uh, Sri Lanka's first round group of four. And I quote... Uh, from this piece, which, as we've said, has been taken down. But for context, quote, Sri Lanka will face Nambia. Hang on, hang on. Nambia? Is that, is that, that, that country with that star batter, Suchin Tandu? Yeah, make Sri Lanka cricket great again. Sorry. <laughs> so Sri, Sri An spelt Namibia incorrectly. I needed the brackets S-I-C, the Sikh. Uh, <laughs> no, it reminds me of the, um, the the customs queue in my transfer in Joburg Airport where there was a guy desperately trying to figure out how to get to Nambia and the, the customs people were very confused and, and they suggested Zambia and he just got even more worked up. So uh, it, it seems like it's a common mistake, actually. <laughs> Nambia's health system is increasingly... Self-sufficient. Sri Lanka will face Nambia, as I said, spelt incorrectly, on October 18, which on paper looks a cakewalk for the former world champs, though in the next, on the 20th against Ireland, they will face an acid test. In that face-off, Sri Lanka would have to be at their best, having been once upsetted by the Irish, though in a one-dayer. Not sure if that match ever happened. Might have mixed them up with Scotland. To my knowledge, they've never been defeated by Ireland in a one-day international. The Irish, who have shocked a few heavyweights down the line, for their part, will carry that buoyant clout aiming for an upset. However, the odds are in favour of Shanika's charges to go the distance to be among the top two in the group with their third fixture against the Netherlands on the 22nd, looking a formality. Look... (laughs) Now, there is a lot... A lot to unpack. There is a lot to unpack. I was about to say exactly the same thing. Now, this article has been taken down in the aftermath, in retrospect, by Sri Lanka Cricket. But as we mentioned at the top, it's been greenlit by someone for it to be there. What does this say about Sri Lanka's outlook, their fans, perhaps, maybe through the mouthpiece of this gentleman writing the article? It doesn't say a lot of good towards Sri Lanka, and... I mean, if you're a coach of one of these teams that they're playing against in this group, it's surely the first thing they're going to pin on the whiteboard in the dressing room as a pregame. You almost don't need the team talk at all, Tim. No, we were joking um, only a month or so ago, weren't we, about uh, why the ICC would give the guaranteed seeding first place even if either Bangladesh or Sri Lanka finished second in their group because people might want to be buying tickets and I, I think I joked that I wouldn't want to be buying tickets for the second round if I'm a Sri Lanka fan but uh, yeah look I think you hit the nail on the head there Daniel that uh, any kind of team talk or pep talk not required for, for all three teams look with the acid test like even like within two lines he said they will face an acid test in that face off I, I, I've gone a long time without a Simpsons quote so indulge me but you know with they'll face an acid test in that face-off. It's like my my eyes, the goggles do nothing. Um, yeah, that's that's <laughs> what comes to mind. But uh, if it was put up in a newspaper somewhere as opinion, I think you'd sort of shrug your shoulders and go, "Yeah, garbage." But the fact that this has gone up on Sri Lanka Cricket's website, it can only go downhill from here. Now, if you talk about something being a formality, you you can't come back from that because if you win. It was expected. And anything else, well, I, so, you know, 
That group's sorted, so we know what's going to happen there. Sri Lanka's not going to win a game, so all we've got to do is worry about the other group now. <laughs> I think I think a few of the uh, associate players there are getting the, the texters out for a, a yeah, Sri Lanka talk now poster. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, seriously, I, I think... It's the kind of thing where, as Tim said, it's only going to go badly for you. And yes, it's just one guy writing some nonsense. But at the same time, who on earth in the Sri Lankan cricket administration decided, you know, I mean, maybe they didn't read it because that's all I can think is that they didn't read it. Because otherwise, you know, if you saw this stuff and you, there's no way you could you could actually read it and think that's a good article. We're going to publish that on our website. And yeah, there's no reason to think that the Sri Lankan coaching staff are, are taking their opponents this lightly. But, you know, if, if you're Namibia or the Netherlands or even Ireland, you probably not too sad about seeing this kind of thing because mm, absolutely if, if, you know if, underestimating your opponents this badly usually only goes one way not to mention sri lanka have been nowhere near world beaters in the last two to three years <laughs> their board is a rabble their team on the field has been outside of a couple of players in t20 international cricket pretty bang average and again we've talked about it in some of the team previews we've done already group a is you can roll the dice to see who goes through in that group all four teams put up a case we'll talk about it in a second Namibia in the warm-ups look red hot and they're on paper probably the fourth best team in that group which is not really doing them justice it's just the way that the group is there are so many scenarios I can see in this first round where Sri Lanka don't progress at all and you're only giving other people ammo to shoot at you when things fail I mean what good ever comes out of something like this yeah I, I, if only old mate knew that was the quarter going into the emerging cricket talking machine because <laughs> it's like oh, oh not a quarter they'll they'll be talking for hours about this <laughs> it's like look yeah moth meet flame so I, if we just bring it back to you know actual cricket now it just makes that Game one, Sri Lanka, Namibia, on the evening of Monday the 18th. Well, 1 a.m. my time. Thanks a lot, schedule. <laughs> so important. Sri Lanka, Namibia, oh, I've been an absolute barnstormer, and I've never been not more Namibian in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sri Lanka, Namibia, the 18th, then take on Ireland on the 20th, and the 22nd against the Netherlands, where you would probably think that There'd be a lot riding on that match come the end of the group stage as well. Again, a fascinating group and, and just another backstory of what's going to be a great tournament. Probably worth now mentioning a couple of the, the warm-up results and trends coming out of there. Paul Sterling's just gone to fifth on the T20 International men's run scoring list. The only players above him... Aaron Finch, Rohit Sharma, Martin Guptill, and Virat Kohli. A pretty esteemed list there for Paul to join. He's had a great year. But looking at, at some of the other results, and Nick, I'll, I'll start with you, George. Munzi's off to a great start. And uh, Herat Erasmus with another one of his big gargantuan knocks. Unfortunately, did not count as a T20 International 100, much to his disappointment, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Namibia just put on three for 249 against PNG in the in the warm-up, so that's a bit of a warning shot. Um, <laughs> Parod Erasmus hits a, you know, a ton of 50 balls and uh, doesn't count for his stats, but um, I'm, I'm sure he's not too worried about that. Uh, David Visa as well got a decent hit out. They promoted him up to, to have a bit of a go, and of course, JJ Smith just doing JJ Smith things, 42 not out of 14 balls. <laughs> um, oh, it's unfair at this point, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's 
so their batting looks to be uh, firing on all cylinders and um, hopefully the bowling can, can find some form as well. Yeah, George Munsey, as you said, hit uh, 67 off 25 to, to uh, give Scotland an easy chase against Ireland and um, Namibia also beat uh, the UAE in, in their uh, official T20I match in, in that one. So I don't know quite what's going on with these warm-ups. Some of them are official, some of them are not, but it's all practice and they're all kind of getting into the swing of things. It was a good... Um, I, I like what the UAE have done with the the summer bash, they're calling it. They've basically gone to the, the individual teams that are playing T20I warm-ups against each other and pulled the rights and, and managed to sell it as a, as a, you know, a television package. And um, that, I think that was a pretty clever move to just make a bit of cash back from the warm-up games so good for them uh yeah visa that 66 off 32 i think that's you know we're talking about warning signs and warning shots and i don't know insert cricket cliche here but i just think it shows how important he's going to be and for me i mean this will be my shoe-in of the week (laughs) i think he'll be the difference in namibia and perhaps if we call them sort of bridesmaids of the past and i know they've got here without him but look i've i've tipped them to go through and I, I can see him playing a, a critical role here and maybe just the the missing link in joining together that top and bottom order getting them consistency the whole way through and also with the ball as well so I know that there were sort of questions in the room and I'm not looking at anyone um, actually I'm looking at you two um, especially you Nick who questioned <laughs> um, his potential at coming in but yeah ec- exciting I won't give a lock of the week, just like that. <laughs> oh, they, they both, both make, make good, good cases. cases. <laughs> uh, but I will say, and this was a great story actually from our, our friend of the podcast, Paul Radley at the National in UAE, talking to David Visa about his situation, why all of this came about, him playing for Namibia. And it's actually been almost 10 years in the making, if you will, in that he knew he qualified very early and there were murmurs around a decade ago that he might have actually gone down that route and played for Namibia. In the end, he got called up by South Africa. He then went Colpac, hasn't played international cricket for South Africa since 2016. And Albie Morkel reached out and discussed the, the, the prospects of, of him joining. And it looks like a relatively seamless fit. I think one burning question from Namibia's campaign, and we talked about it in their preview, so make sure to check that out as well, is how he'll fit in with JJ Smith also in the team. They are quite similar players. You would suspect that they'd both be sort of thrown out there to bat in, in different yet similar situations. It's, it's something that we will be keeping an eye on and, and definitely a, a trump card for Namibia at this tournament given they haven't really had Visa before this. But let's have a chat about some of these kits that have been released because I've seen a couple of classics and Grey Nichols have, have come out with two. Although they got a little bit of help with the Scotland one, Cricket Scotland put out a competition to school children in the country to design the kit for the T20 World Cup. It was won by 12-year-old Rebecca Downey. And I've got to say, out of the ones we've seen so far, not only just the the qualifying teams but all the teams around the tournament it's one of the better ones i think we'll probably see over the course of the next month yeah i like the purple and the the sort of abstract thistle kind of thing going on 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 the shirt and you know we were very used to seeing tartan and at first it's a bit odd to see a scotland shirt without tartan but it's i think it's um it really works and it's a really good initiative that having a kind of um having the kids feel like they're part of it and and you know they kind of own it and it's it's really good way of uh, you know building community support for, for the team as well. Yeah, I do have a real soft spot for purple kits. I don't know, for some reason, it was one of my favourite colours as a kid, so I was really happy to see that design. And it's, I guess it's a little bit like the Serbian one you're wearing as well with the, the sort of triangles, splashes of, of, of colour and really good. And, you know, Scotland rebranded to the purple in the last few years and it's good to see it embraced in this shirt. 
Um, Namibia, going with their sort of darker colour with splashes of lighter blue um, across the sort of navy. Geez, I would have loved them to do a retro kit from their, their 2003 World Cup. Oh, oh, yes. And look, I'm a I'm a sucker for retro kits. So, like, your, your market's probably, you know, <laughs> may, pretty limited to a balding, not-so-as-fat f- guy in Vanuatu. No, like, that, that would have been great with the blue and green. Same as what Sri Lanka did in the, the mid-'90s of how to get that balance between those two colours right and having the yellow line between them, I thought was, was great. So, who knows? Maybe they'll do it for the next World Cup they're in uh, next year. But uh, all these little bits coming out, but I've got to agree with your chat before on, on the Netherlands. And I've been a big fan of Green X kit in the past, but I think they've, they've hit that one out of the park, especially that training kit with the, the lightning bolts down the, the, the front oh. and the sort of retro two lines across the, um, the chest, the lower chest for the playing kit. Shades of, you know, almost a Cronulla shark type look completely different colours. Look, if in doubt, it comes back to the sharks. Look, we're just five years since Premiership number one, so it's on my mind. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Who, who else we got left? Oman, I, I, they've been playing in sort of fresh kit, but I don't think they've released their, their World Cup one yet. Who's who's left? PNGs looks good. Yeah, PNGs was great. Uh, kind of that scaled with mm. between red and yellow and the orange blends in between. Yeah, like a sunset. Yeah. Kind of like a Barra logo sort of embossed in it as well. Really cool. Please put that on sale. Shut up and take my money. I <laughs> uh, thought Islands was a little bit disappointing. And they've got an alternate kit, but the alternate kit doesn't really make sense because you're still using the same colors. And if you're trying to differentiate in color, you kind of need to go a completely different scheme than the one that they've tried. And just finally, just to add on Namibia's one, I think in person, seeing a few action shots in UAE, it looks great. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's been growing on me too. And and I mean, I like Oman's, the, you know, the green flames that they have across the bottom. I think that's a, a good motif and I've always liked that one. Um, Ireland's one, yeah, I, I always prefer Ireland in kind of your, your classic solid leprechaun green more so than the construction work of fluoro green. And they've they've gone more with the fluoro in this one. And yeah, with the black contrast as well, it it's kind of looks like, I don't know if you remember the BA blasting kits from the Namibian domestic competition. It looks a bit like that, but... No, we don't because you spent 39 <laughs> hours building them on... I was going to call it Cricket 99, and it's not Cricket 99, whatever the year was. Cricket 19, Cricket 19. Cricket 19. <laughs> I wasn't that far away. How much time did you spend oh, too long. building those teams? It was no, the first lockdown. <laughs> no, 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 that is not the answer. But... New career game coming out, PS5, next-gen cricket, Big Ant Studios. Mm. Interesting. Um, definitely one to keep an eye out there. Can you play that? We'll be, uh, yeah, making our emerging cricket squad, I think, in in the build-ups, all of that. Let's move on. Uh, Under-19s, Africa, World Cup qualifying, and my word, what just a complete narrative. But when the dust settled, Uganda were the team to qualify for next year's Under-19 World Cup in the West Indies. Began with a bang, really, with Tanzania beating Namibia in one of the upsets of all upsets that we've probably seen at this level and we'll talk about that in a second but the last match day it came down to well we thought it might come down to net run rate if Tanzania won on the last day against Uganda they would have progressed they were bowled out in the 50s unbelievably Uganda raced the target down for a huge net run rate boost and ultimately it was enough for qualification a lot to talk about Nick but First of all, another fantastic achievement for Uganda cricket at under-19 level. They seem to be, when it comes to youth cricket in Africa, they always seem to be there, thereabouts. 
Yeah, they've um, they've qualified for World Cups, under-19 World Cups in the past, and uh, it's good to see them making a return. Uh, Uganda, always a fan favourite uh, here at the emerging cricket team. But, uh, yeah, very exciting last day. Poor old Tanzania, they they upset the favourites in the tournament and then they, they couldn't quite hold on to, to qualify. Uh, I think last time Nigeria, when they... Um, on their last day, they had a very nervy uh, last day win, which they sort of just got over the line to qualify. But um, yeah, it just shows the depth in, in African youth cricket. You know, Tanzania beat Namibia, but Namibia beat Uganda pretty comfortably. And then obviously Uganda thrashed Tanzania. So those three teams all finished on three wins each. Parody. Yeah, parody, <laughs> parody cycle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's a bit of a concern for Namibia missing their second straight under-19s World Cup, but you know, a couple of good players look to be coming out of that just as um, they got a couple of decent players out of the, the last one. So I guess if they're getting you know one or two uh, high-quality players out of each kind of under-19s crop, they're, they're doing all right. Um, but uh, yeah, Nigeria, a bit disappointing, I thought. Uh, they didn't win a game even with a decent number of the same players from the last qualifier. So I don't know what happened there. I think it's a fair question about Namibia because we saw them do so well in, was it, was it three under-19 World Cups ago? Was it the New Zealand World Cup or maybe the one the one before? But, you know, you sort of talked about it there, the inconsistency of results in that with different teams beating each other. It just shows that how important consistency is at this level, but also how, and going back to our chat with, with Alan Occur that you can't really be judging a country on it, you know, years ago of an under 19s team because it changes so quickly and it is the most ephemeral cricket that we have that can change so much. So, look, it was great to see Tanzania go so well and think of that name sort of popping up on people's screens, similar to when they saw Fiji or indeed Nigeria in an, in an under 19 World Cup. But, uh, yeah, a lot of learning for them going back. And, uh, well, I, I can only say that. You know, Tanzania, Dennis Masali, you know, our man in Africa and, and former Uganda under-19 World Cup player, did say that Tanzania, although they don't, there's not a lot of chat about them, do have good teams at a youth level. And they've got Steve Ticolo there coaching, you know, not only their men's team, but I'm sure he's been working with that, with that side as well. So good to see them perform well. Disappointing to see them get rolled like that. But uh, what a tournament. Probably one of the stories of the tournament was Tanzania beating Namibia. Namibia chasing a target of 201. They were one for 87, seemingly cruising. Lakshbakrania, who turned 14 just three days before this game started, affected a run out to start the collapse, was then throwing the ball, took five for 28. And the last wicket to fall in the innings wasn't attributed to him, but off his bowling. It was an obstruct in the field. The old handled the ball from, I think it was Jack Parker, who's the, the captain of, of the Namibian side. So that was an incredible story in itself. And, and just one of those ones that I certainly will remember for, for years to come. And hopefully we, we hear a little bit more of Laksh Bakrani and, and his story and, and, and his career perhaps in the game, whether or not he moves into the senior ranks or, or we see a lot more of him. It's just another story to, to add to the charm of what is associate cricket. Well, and the other thing is Tanzania are only in this tournament because they, well, they got promoted from Division 2 along with the hosts Rwanda, who we might talk about in a sec, but the the Division 2 tournament got cancelled and, and you know, people got, the teams got pushed up um, based on rankings. But yeah, you know, they've, they've come up from the lower level and they've beaten the favourites and they've just missed out on qualifying. So that was a really good effort from them. Just on the handle of the ball, what do we think? Because I, I, I was, you know, ever since they kind of amalgamated, handled the ball into obstructing the field and, and hit the ball twice, that it, it just strikes me as a bit of a strange thing to change because now it's it's kind of a bit more 
ambiguous as to which dismissal it is and and rather than having a specific dismissal just for handling the ball i don't know i I'll, you know we, we we often talk ask people about law changes but maybe i'd um separate out handled the ball and uh and obstructing the field again yeah it's a difficult one i i think that hit the ball twice is probably more obsolete and should be rolled into one of the others that's talked pre this change than handle the ball you know hit the ball twice could have gone into obstructing the field meaning if you handle the ball as in this case and for those that haven't seen it um, right hand batter to left arm spinner Pfeiffer great great to hear brotherhood <laughs> and he kind of came out outside the off stump went to sweep and kind of fell over doing it and the ball sort of went behind him and he parried it behind him and it was sort of going on not towards the stumps but more towards the offside of the stumps but then he's kind of spun around the, the right hand side and hit the ball away with his, his right glove which in the end not only was it not going to hit the stumps he's, he's then out I think the, and it was really funny watching the, the wicketkeeper was more disappointed to start with that the ball did not go back on the stumps and I wager that he didn't understand that there was a motor dismissal that was obstructing the field because you could see that first disappointment was oh no it didn't hit the stumps and then all everyone started to go up and he kind of kind of followed and then the umpires had a chat it was a little really well cut uh, highlights package by the ICC as the, as the music just sort of hit the crescendo just at the time it was it was given out not quite as exciting as seeing someone doing backflips or getting a, a run out at the uh, strikers end by, by bowler but uh, yeah to your point <laughs> To your point, I, I'd uh, definitely roll that in just into an all-encompassing obstructing the field. And it, I'd almost be looking to perhaps, you know, roll that in. I'd support a, a new mode of dismissal for being run out at the bowler's end oh. by the bowler, almost like a stumping for the bowler. And, and it is actually credited to the And I know it's not in the action of bowling, so it shouldn't be. But yes, that would make more sense to me. And then you could actually track how many wickets have been tallied like this because at the moment you've got no idea and the whole run out rule or at least the way that it is recorded likewise with catches being taken by fielders on the boundary we, you, you'll never know going back in time how many run outs were made at the at the non-strikers end versus you know just someone tripping over in the middle of the wicket and being thrown in from cover so that's something from a stats point of view that cricket could do better but yeah it doesn't get more crickety than something like this does it than obstructing the field <laughs> Yeah, and, and just on Rwanda, the hosts, I, I think it was really good that they got awarded this tournament because, you know, they they renovated the um, IPRC ground, uh, which was originally the only dedicated cricket ground in, in Rwanda. And, you know, obviously it's been sort of superseded by the lovely Gahanga Stadium, but now that they've renovated it, they've, they've put in a turf block in, instead of the old AstroTurf and the idea behind that was to be hosting more ICC events. So I, I think that's good to see that in action and... Yeah, they beat uh, Nigeria in a, in a thriller by four runs, uh, but yeah, couldn't quite push on against the others. They they got pretty close against Tanzania, but Uganda and um, Namibia both both thrashed them. Uh, Uganda hitting the only century against Rwanda of the tournament, um, and yeah, it was it was a pretty bowling friendly or bowling dominated tournament. A lot of spinners doing very well. Only five batters got more than a hundred runs, and and only six of them made fifties, though. Uh, Jan Bolt and uh, Ramon Wilmot from Namibia had two fifties each, so you know they're a couple to keep an eye on. But yeah, Cyrus Kakuru from Uganda, the, the only Centurion uh, against Rwanda. Keeper Pascal Marungi was pretty good for them too, so that'll be you know another guy to watch for for them in the upcoming Youth World Cup. But looking at the wicket tally, uh, off spinner Joseph Baguma from Uganda, left arm Orthodox Yelinde Nkanya from Tanzania, both with ten wickets. But most of the teams had some good bowling performers. Leg spinner Raman Wilmot with eight for Namibia. Off spinner 
Ridwan Abdul Karim with seven for Nigeria. Another left arm orthodox, Steve Ntari uh, for Rwanda with seven, and, and, and also for Rwanda, Parfait Mugisha with, with seven as well. Jan Bolt's offies with seven again for Namibia. So a lot of spinners doing well, which, I mean, we saw this at the, um, the Europe under 19s qualifier. Just a lot of batters kind of struggling. On you know pretty slow decks, uh, we didn't we didn't get to see too much footage out of this one, so it's it's hard to judge. But I think also partly just the fact that these batters are just not as experienced, and, and they do often struggle against uh, decent spin bowling at, at this level. I need to give a shout out to Cyrus Kakuru. I saw a photo on Twitter posted of him asleep <laughs> yes. in bed with the trophy <laughs> and the medal wrapped around his neck. I, I got a good laugh out of that this afternoon when I had a quick look at it. But again, great tournament and what a backdrop, the Gahunga Stadium. If it's not the best ground in cricket, which it is, it's uh, in the top three or top five around the world. Definitely on the bucket list for all of us and I'm sure a lot of fans of the emerging game as well. Let's chat and clean up Cricket World Cup League 2 from last week. The last time we chatted in regards to it, we were awkwardly two-thirds through that series. Although in saying that, there hasn't been a lot that's changed uh, we saw Scotland bring the weather with them, to quote Crowded House. Everywhere you go, always take the weather with you. Everywhere you go, always take the weather. Uh, not a great sign, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. But again, same old PNG here, unfortunately. And, and yes, we know that there's a T20 World Cup around the corner. But they're still winless in Cricket World Cup League 2. It would take a miracle now for anything to change and for them to kind of go through that sort of lower part of the the next stage of Cricket World Cup qualifying. But again, the free chatty movement, uh, (laughs) it it didn't quite work out for us. He stayed at number nine. He he still looks good with the bat. So our arguments still probably stand. But look, Oman again setting the pace. Scotland with arguably a, a pretty good try series and built them into some some work for the T20s Nick but again it's it's been a pretty disappointing campaign for PNG yeah, Vani Vagi Morea, probably their best bowler, took a 5 far and, and looked pretty good in that match against Oman. But, yeah, they just, the bowlers never have enough to defend. And, you know, if you're losing most of your top order before you reach 100 and then sort of scratching to 150, 200, the bowlers don't get much of a chance. And, you know, Chad still batting at 9, which I think is way too low for him, especially when they're losing early wickets. Asad Vala, again, the only reliable bat in the top order. It's just the same thing again and again. Oman, you know, they lost seven wickets on their way to 150. So PNG's bowling is is fine. You know, they, they're able to take wickets. And if a couple of other things had gone their way, you know, there are a couple of close calls for, for Sopa in his first spell against Oman that didn't go his way. And like that kind of thing, you never know. But again, when your top order just can't reliably put up defendable scores, you're always going to be on the back foot. And I, yeah, I don't see PNG finishing anywhere but last um, in, in this tournament unless they have, we see a you know a miraculous comeback. I would say though, you know, it, it's it's been a tough time for the team. Three of the guys have had um, family deaths uh, over the last little while, and yeah. so you know. Maybe that was playing on their mind, and, and you know it, it's hard to really judge too much, you know, un, under those circumstances. Um, 
Scotland, yeah, looked very impressive. They were looking good. You know, George Munsey was not out on 50-odd when Cyclone Shaheen turned up and uh, and derailed that game. Unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, you know, first ever tropical cyclone since records began to hit Oman. Um, so, um, you know, go back and listen to our interview with Paul Sinclair from the Australian Climate Foundation and, and Liz Hanna as well um, about climate change and cricket and how that's going to affect the game we love. And um, But, yeah, it's sort of... Status quo, really, after that series. PNG is still winless. Uh, Oman's still at the top and Scotland's still chasing them in second. And it's kind of no- nothing's changed on the table. So I just want to make sure I've got this right, gents. Cricket World Cup League 2 has had cancellations because we had a death of a Sultan, Sultan Qaboos bin Saeed, reigning UAE, torrential reign in UAE 2019, reign in Oman, and COVID-19. I think we might have cursed the world with this competition. I don't <laughs> want to say it too loudly, though. But ever since this competition has come into in existence, we've just had just a mess all over the show. No, it's no. it goes further back than that. It's actually Scotland's fault. You know, they came to Hong Kong. <laughs> Here we go. For Hong Kong and China's first ever ODIs, first class cricket. And, uh, you know, probably things would be late teens, early 20s. They hadn't done their research. They didn't bring jumpers, so that's still funny. <laughs> but uh, And it was sub 10 degrees and sleeting for the entire I-Cup game and one of the ODIs. So, look, it's not our fault. And I don't think there were that many players that were on all those tours. But there are, there, there'd be quite... No, actually, there'd be quite a few in the squad there were there back then because I remember um, Michael Leask not getting picked in the game that did get on the ODI and walking around with a... Didn't look too happy with the decision, let's put it that way. But yes, it's Scotland's fault. But crazy. Did you see some of those videos from Oman? There was one of a, vi- a video out to sea, and it was like this, it's like watching Twister, and it, it kind of the clouds built, and this huge big finger of water just went, got thrown down at the ground. It was just something biblical. It was, wow, just, yeah. So, no, you're right. It's just freaky. Oman still doing the running, uh, as we know, with, playing more matches in that competition. That competition will take a break with the T20 World Cup happening in the next few weeks. Uh, Let's jump into the ICC TV and the ICC Global Rights Tender Change, which has been talked about over the last week. Was previously an eight-year cycle, now a four-year cycle. And Nick, you've done a little bit of reading into this. Definitely some pros and cons in in regards to all of it. We're not really 100% sure where this is going, but there is a chance that the money that does get thrown around for these competitions will be spread around potentially a little bit differently than it is already. Star Sports having the rights universally. What do we see changing as part of these new potential agreements? Well, the idea is, yeah, as you said, a four-year cycle and they're they're planning to move to territory-based bidding. So, you know, each broadcaster in each country putting in a bid for the rights. And I guess that could go one of a couple of ways in that the countries where nobody makes a bid, the ICC would hold on to the rights rather than um, needing to go back through the central rights owner to you know do any streaming or, or anything else they wanted to do. But um, so that in some ways could be good because you know it would open up more opportunities for the ICC.tv uh, streaming service in, in certain areas, which could help. But then, you know, maybe you know, that would make the ICC even more dependent on the Indian broadcasters. You know, if they're the only ones who are making money, would, would that then skew the ICC's decision-making, you know, pandering even more to the BCCI? I, I don't know. That's 
a possibility. And of course, if you're running events over a four-year cycle instead of an eight-year cycle, that it does allow a bit more flexibility in terms of scheduling. You know, if something doesn't work, you don't have to wait nearly a decade before you change it. But at the same time, that could incentivize potentially a bit more sort of short-term thinking from the administrators rather than looking to the long-term health of the game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and, and you know, which way it kind of goes because it, there's a few things here where, where it's it could be good or bad depending on, on who's in charge and, and the decisions that get made. Yeah, I think they're just looking at the most successful cricket meteorites deal out there and and just copying from that playbook that's exactly what the IPL have done for the last couple of cycles well for this cycle anyway they're getting to the end of theirs where they they split it by region but not only region they also had uh, streaming rights or digital rights done separately and four years ago you know before star won the deal as they've got now at half a billion US dollars a year Facebook came in with a barnstorming bid for digital only rights so I think the ICC have. I think this is the the right way to attack it because you'll get a better feeling for which companies are strong in which regions, as you said, or they may decide the same way as the BCCI did. That uh, even though I think they they said there's an algorithm that says if you get to a certain level compared to the total prices of everyone else, you you get the rights. But if you combined all the prices from all the other markets, I think it was around about the same. So in the end, they went for Star for a single single shop. And considering Star also then won the rights to produce it because at the time star weren't producing the broadcast either but then it's all out of one shop you know it's a lot more consistent so no i'm, I'm intrigued to see how this this comes up because you know as we've talked about in the past you know when the last time these rights went around you know the fox group owned all of these channels they owned star they owned sky and of course they owned fox sports in in australia but now you know fox sold off star as part of other assets to disney in india so for those that don't know you know disney is the one that owns the global media rights to your world cups and and your ipl at the moment and because of that because of that deal they had to go to a compulsory bidding process out of, out of Sky that we, from whom they owned 40%, but that was then bought completely by Comcast who also sit up, up above, I think it's NBC as well, or whoever has the Olympics in the US. And then the only interest that Fox has there now is through through Foxtel and, and other sort of smaller holdings around the world. So th- this will be a very interesting process to see see where where it comes out. You know, we, we know other networks like the Digicells in, in the Caribbean and the Pacific and all these other names out there. And of course, the streaming side as well. I, I think it's a smart move to, to cut it up this way. And I think, as you said, that sort of short-term thinking could be a positive for the ICC in the short term anyway, in that someone may go a lot harder for a shorter time rather than, than spreading it out over over eight years. So we know how important this money is because it, it funds global cricket. You know, and until the cricket cricket's in the Olympics anyway, this is the majority funding for, for the emerging cricket world. Um, that's emerging cricket with little e and a little c. <laughs> so no, this is an interesting time. And I know that media rights is not necessarily that interesting to a lot of people, but it really is an, an important point that will drive so much as we look forward into also how the ICC plans the Cricket World Cup league structure on the men's side and hopefully um, mirroring it for the women, um, knowing how much funding is there 
there and looking in those four-year cycles, which to me makes makes more sense, just as long as they're able to plan in the future, though. That's your only concern for me. If you only sign for four years, how are you planning that cycle for the four years after if you're just assuming that it's going to go up um, as opposed to the ICC having this eight-year cycle that they've been, been used to currently? Moving on back to some action on the field, Zimbabwe and Ireland's playing one-day internationals. This surprised me, Zimbabwe actually making their one-day international women's debut in this series, which I find just crazy to even think, Nick, but they look strong. Marianne Musonda has been great with the bat, but I think one thing you really wanted to bring up is the fact that Thailand, as a result, or looking at this series, probably some encouraging signs for them looking at qualifiers down the line here, considering how competitive this particular series is as well. Yeah, as you said, good to see Zimbabwe making their debut in in women's ODI cricket, although kind of strange that they haven't played uh, any ODIs previously. Um, And yeah, beating Ireland pretty comfortably with Marianne Masonda, who uh, batted really well in the the qualifiers, and she's been a strong performer for them for a number of years. But uh, yeah, looking ahead to the ICC Women's uh, World Cup qualifier, which will be held uh, in in Zimbabwe in late November, early December, Thailand probably quietly confident. You know they beat Zimbabwe a couple of times. Uh, I think it was two two in in the one day series, and then two uh, one in the the T Twenty series that they played against them recently. Um, so you know, looking at the other teams and in this competition, um, there's Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Thailand, Ireland, Netherlands, USA, West Indies, Pakistan. PNG Zimbabwe and the top five teams from that list qualify for the uh, the next cycle of the the ICC Women's Championship, which is the the regular ODI tournament. So I think Thailand will be backing themselves to be finishing in the top five, and and they'll need to finish ahead of someone like a Zimbabwe uh, and and an Ireland. So the, the fact that they've beaten you know both of those teams in the past and uh, Zimbabwe especially recently in, in fifty over cricket will be uh, you know that they'll be quietly confident. And away from home too, and with the qualifier coming up in in Zimbabwe, you would think that that would hopefully bode well. And the big question for Thailand is, you know, can they adjust into that fifty over format? And I think for many fans of cricket in general who have only really come across T Twenty cricket over the last say five to ten years because it hasn't been around that long, people would probably throw those and lump those two formats in together. But for someone like Thailand, they're completely different formats. You'd almost argue that 50 over cricket is close to, to test cricket in some respects than, than 2020 cricket for, for Thailand. So if they can get that right, especially through the middle overs with their batting, you've got to say that the yeah, there's definitely an opportunity for Thailand to really push it and, and make that spot their own, which is good to see. Finally, to finish off the week, the Cyprus T20 International Cup, Nick... It looks as if you kept an eye on this better than the pair of us. Cyprus and Estonia and then Isle of Man just decided to join in for the Tri-Series as well. Good to see some more international cricket. Yeah, one uh, cricketing island nation uh, to another, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. Estonia played a, a bilateral two-match series uh, against Cyprus, which Cyprus won 2-0. And, and this was the first... Um, and yeah, that uh, bilateral series with Cyprus uh, was also uh, Cyprus's first uh, T20Is as well as Estonia's T20I debut. So uh, a couple of newcomers onto the list and, and Isle of Man, of course, made their first appearance in T20Is last year during during the height of the pandemic. And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out with the, um, the, the rankings and of course these teams all competing for ranking points to try and qualify to the sub-regional qualifiers in Europe and, and um, get on that uh, qualification ladder that the ICC set up. 
Yeah, and still at this point, rankings being the uh, the ultimate decider. So it's it's a case for a lot of these teams to get up as many matches as they can to ensure that they can pump their rankings up and, and move up into some higher cricket just on that alone. Thanks for joining me, fellas. We'll jump and get one more EC pod up this time next week, just before the World Cup starts. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the World Cup and, and some of the fixtures. But I'll tell you what, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm keen as mustard, I think. Yeah, very keen to be getting no sleep uh, watching all these teams play. Yeah, game one, 9pm start. Game two, 1pm start. I'll have to start writing my sick notes now. Dear Mr. Stafford, Tim is not feeling <laughs> well. <laughs> Who signs that off for you? Oh, my dad. Yeah, just a forged signature from your dad. <laughs> Look... If, if, if there is any human being alive at the age of 39 that, that cannot still do their parents' signature, they're lying to you. <laughs> I think that's a good way to finish off, boys. <laughs> the forge sick note. Yes. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you for your continued... Uh, I don't know where you're finding the time to... Well, both of you actually get everything done. How many different podcasts have you both recorded in the last... Uh, including ones not necessarily for Emerging Cricket, Daniel, but um, you've been a... Tower of strength, and long may it continue as, lo- as long as your sanity prevails. I think it's seven this, no, six this week it'll end up being. Yeah, it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Anyway. <laughs> rhetorical, eh? To keep up with news and events from Cricket's New World, make sure to log on to MergingCricket.com and follow the podcast wherever you are listening to all your other audio content. But on behalf of Tim Carla, Nick Skinner, And myself, Daniel Beswick, enjoy the rest of your week wherever you are around the emerging cricket world.